This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's Super Saturday at Kohl's. Take an extra 20 or 15% off. Get a Magic Bullet Blender, $33.99, 30% off toys, and save on Sonicare Electric Toothbrushes, $24.99. Plus, get Kohl's Cash, plus fast and free store pickup. Give with all your heart. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 20 and 15% offers valid December 10th through December 20th with promo code BIGSAVINGS. Toys, offers, and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, John Crane. Oh my gosh, John, it was a long, long road trip to Texas. But first things first, how you doing? Yeah, frustration levels are high, but you know, uh, still an still an angel fan uh, till I, you know, till the end. Hope, hoping, uh, just I think like a lot of fans on uh, social media, on our pages and stuff. I hear a lot of uh, football seasons coming. Um, I think we're just trying to sneak out of this season at this point because uh, hopefully bigger things next year. But no, we still got time left and plenty of podcasts and less season left. So let's do it. We have some good things to talk about. Lots of things to talk about. We do want to get into all those good things, including our interview with Jeff Perlman. He's on the show a little bit later, and he explains his his uh, controversial text that basically bashed down the Angels. And you know what? When we talk to him, it actually it makes some sense in, in terms of his views on it. And he's talking with a different perspective as a guy who moved out. Uh, a little surprising, even John, Optimist John, had a, a different perspective to agree with. I can't believe it. John didn't, you know, smack down anybody. He, he was very, you know, in person. When you when you see, meet somebody, this is, I guess, a good uh, lesson for social media. When you see you know somebody from a tweet, uh, and then you actually talk to them and listen to their fully developed opinion. Um, it it he did. He shed a lot of light on that. And and um, well, like I said, I don't necessarily. It's not going to change my experiences at the game. He did have some very valid points that I will uh, tip my hat to him for. Yeah, he and he did, and, and I only have one gripe of everything he said. Just one gripe, and we'll get into well, that. The food, the food thing again. I just always I look at those people sitting in the in that restaurant up behind home plate, you know, eating there. That's not a baseball experience. John, to me. John, John, don't give it away. Don't give the interview away. Oh, come sorry. On. Come, <laughs> sorry. On. come on, don't give it away. <laughs> All right. All okay, right. man. 
All right, folks, before we get into the nitty-gritty of today's show, we want to remind you that we are anywhere. Podcasts can be found, especially on Apple Music. We, If you have been there and you haven't subscribed, we'd really appreciate that subscription. It would really help us move up the charts. And if you want us to earn that five-star review that goes with it, tell us all about your experience dealing with Talking Halos. Email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com, or you can send me a DM on Twitter. You can DM our main Talking Halos page on Twitter, on Facebook. It's all good. We always want your feedback. And if you are a new listener to the show, and you are enjoying the show, please do us a favor. Please text a fellow Angels fan and let them know about our podcast, or send them an email, or whatever. We would really appreciate that. We would love to be a podcast that grows in many ways, including organically, just word of mouth, I think it's the best way to get loyalists. There's like the ones, like loyalists are the ones we have now. And I, I couldn't be prouder to, to to really have the listeners we have. We, we got all kinds of feedback off the last episode where you have the two Angels fans come on from Angels Nation 27. And, and we really got knee deep in issues. I, I mean, I got message after message after message. I don't know if you did. John, did you get any? Messages? Yeah. You get any messages about it? No, I didn't get any messages. I don't think anybody wants to send any bad news my way because they, they know I'll find a way to to make it optimistic maybe. I don't know. Well, you know why people you know why people didn't message you, right, John? Because they don't know my – I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you why just, didn't they message You just me? lost your thought there. I was going to say no, they don't, because they don't why. like you, but they probably <laughs> – <laughs> I should just be. <laughs> hey, I did see somebody asking about. I did see somebody asking, what's yes. the Twitter handle of the guy who fo- posts funny pictures on uh, Twitter? Uh, uh, and you answered him. Yeah, the And the absolute truth is, as much as I give you a hard time, of all the people who are the heart of the show, the heart of the show is John Crane, believe it or not. He's the one who is perpetually optimistic, even when the days aren't always fun for Angels fans um, and he's the one who's out there meeting Angels fans and having a good time even when the team isn't great so that's right John trained the heart that's of the all show. I got that's all I got right now that's all I got it's <laughs> all he got um, if I sound a little weird if you hear some background noise I apologize the sound quality is gonna be close to what normally is however I have to move around a little more I had an injury at work this week a freak injury in the classroom of all places. Now I have a huge, ginormous brace on my leg. Um, looks like it's possibly some kind of tear in there. We'll find out midweek, hopefully by the time we do our next podcast. But it's a little uncomfortable. And so I apologize for hearing you rusting around of me moving, or you know me crying in the corner, rocking back and forth through all pain. <laughs> but um, just so you're aware, and hopefully the knee turns out okay. Hopefully the angels turn out okay because this week was awful. Straight awful. Six losses in seven games in Texas. John, the the Texas series, they lose three out of four. Three leads give it up. They lose all three of those games. They go to Houston. They play the Astros pretty close. Today they get blown out 11-2. to two. What are your thoughts, man? Uh, yeah, I'm going to quote Dennis Green when I say they are who we thought they were. So, I mean, it's what did we expect? I mean, anybody who was optimistically expecting, uh, you know, some uh, a winning road trip from this uh, Texas two step, it hasn't been paying attention the whole season. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at the la- the pitchers that we sent against Houston. Uh, with the exception of Berea, I mean, none of these were, 
you know, today, and Berea, by the way, pitched a fine game today. Um, it'll get overshadowed uh, if by anybody who just looks at the score. But, I mean, you know, it's uh, we're, we're trying out new things. Uh, we're uh, depleted, obviously. Uh, we've had a very tough season, and I think we're just trying to get by day by day and, and uh, survive. Well, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I, I have some serious issues. I really do. I understand the bullpen's tired. I understand the starting pitching has been blah this year. I get all that. I, I really do. The problem I had was really just one game, and that was today's game, that mm-hmm. bothered me to all get out. And the reason why it bothered me to get out was because I saw this team, for the first time, quit. I saw them quit. And I hate to say that. I really do. I hate to say they quit because they, you know, they, they've been through a lot this year. And if anybody's going to call on a team of quitters or they lack heart, or anything like that, I'm going to argue every single time because we saw they played in July. But we got to be honest with ourselves when they, we say, what happened out there in the eighth inning today was a team that just said, you know what, we're done. We're done today. That's That was a team. Look at their body language. Look at the way Albert just kind of gave up on that ball on the first, play, uh, first base line. Look at how they communicated with each other. Just They were done. They were done. And... I have a lot of questions about that. And I don't want to be hard on them. We know what they've been through this season. But they're also professionals. And and you never give up, right? Yeah, that's the idea. You don't want to excuse giving up. But you also understand the mental parts of the game and, and how they grind you sometimes. Do I, am I making sense? Why I sound crazy, John? No, I, and... and- I just, I want to say, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, as much as anybody, uh, they're professionals. They should, you know, they should be trained and, you know, they should be running out pitch, you know, running out to first base. They should be doing the the fundamentals and the basics. But it's, I mean, if you go on social media, the fans are giving up. I mean, the fans are, are like... Oh, just stop this pain. Quotes about, you know, a lot of people posting and comments about when's football season start. We're ready. You know, let's we're ready to move on to football season and put this this horrendous uh, disaster of a season. I mean, uh, emotional, you know, and uh, just bad season behind us. Um, So, I mean, I don't want to excuse the players. I did definitely saw what you were talking about. I saw, you know, a lack, you know, I can see a little lack of, uh, you know, gusto in their eyes or whatever. I don't want to say heart, but it's just hard. It was hard to watch. You know, Derek, you saw I posted about, you know, how I was going to watch the tonight. I'm watching I was watching the Dodger Angel, uh, Dodger Yankee series because I wanted to win. I wanted to see. And again, I'm not a Dodger fan by any stretch of the imagination. I was actually rooting for the Yankees and because I'm surrounded by Dodger fans who will talk trash. If, you know, for a team that hasn't won a World Series in 30 years, they, they still talk trash with the best of them. So I was hoping the Yankees had come in and kind of knock them down a pig or two and um and you know i enjoyed watching those games uh and you know but when i did watch the the you know the angel games too but they're a little little tougher to watch especially a game like today well what's going to happen john is we're going to start seeing more and more people talking about how the angels have a manager that lacks emotion that lacks 
commu- you know, lacks a lot of communication skills with players. He's not the guy who picks up the team, and that being Brad Ausmus. We're going to see more and more questions about that as the season goes on. His career in Detroit seems to be coming up over and over again now by many people. Uh, we'll have that discussion. We're going to bring Chris Brown back on. He was a guy for Locked On Tigers, Tigers SRD, who basically chronicled Ausmus' career for us a couple a couple weeks ago and a couple months ago. And uh, we'll get into that. But the reality is this. I don't believe a manager is the lead motivator of a game. I could tell you as a guy who's coached three different sports during my teaching career that emotion, emotional speeches, emotional things rarely ever affect an outcome of a game. It's like once in a blue moon where an emotional, you know, go get them, gets a team all hyped up and they go do it. It's very rare. So it's kind of ridiculous to me to, to focus on Alice's personality and you know whether or not how expressive he is doesn't really mean anything in most cases. The, the, the movies aren't reality. Rudy's not reality in terms of an everyday thing. The same goes for Angels in the Outfield or or Little Big League or whatever movies. Major League. All that stuff is all that stuff really isn't the reality of life. The reality of life is the manager puts the lamps together. He makes the key decisions, but he is not. He's one emotional speech isn't going to make this team go on a ten game run. It's just not going to happen. It's not how it these works. are these are adults, and and we don't have a young team. If you go around position, and we got some young pitchers, but if you go around position to position, we have a lot of veterans on this team um, who shouldn't need a manager. I mean, they need a manager to you know go put the lineup card and and definitely uh, contribute to uh, uh, them winning, but. Uh, you know, I, I just, I just, I mean, I, I'm not saying sign Brad Osmus to a lifetime contract or even a 10 year contract, whatever, but I don't think you can judge him by this season, this awful, awful season. He's Bre- he's uh, Billy Epler's man. He was handpicked for Billy Epler. We let go of, of my, my uh, favorite all time angels manager, uh, Mike Sosha. And, um, and I'm willing to, you know, I mean, next year, you know, I mean, next year and even maybe the following, maybe if you give him another, you know, then we can really start looking at what what his impact is when he has a pitching staff, when we have a real pitching staff. That's when you can really start laying some blame on Brad Osmus' uh, doorstep right now. I find that hard to do in his first for a first season manager with the kind of season the Angels have had. Well, I mean, I'm not even worried about that. Quite frankly, he's he had a raw deal from there. I'm not even ready to have that decision. I'm not even ready to have that discussion. Discussion. I'm, discussion. My gosh, <laughs> I'm not ready to have that discussion. What I'm really ready to talk about is the future of this team. What needs to be fixed. And basically just getting over the hardship of this year. I'm of the mind, I want to go back to it. I'm going to rewind because those first two two or three podcasts after Tyler Skaggs passed away, we said this. We knew this team was going to be mentally up and down the rest of the year. You just There's only so much the human brain can take when things like that happen. These are people who play with this person for years. They were friends. They were brothers. They spent more time eat with each other than they do with their spouses during the season anyways. So you just never know, especially when you already had flaws, how things are going to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to stand by what we said before. I'm not going to hammer this team 
for things that are mental right now more than what we just did. I saw them quit today. I don't believe they're going to quit on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. I don't believe that because that's not who these guys are. These guys are not quitters, dude. They're just, they're just not. All right, so moving on. In case you didn't know, we are a part now of the Big Heads Podcast Network and let you know a little bit about one of our other podcasts. Here, check out. Here's a promo. Calling all sports fans, are you looking for an alternate source for sports news, scores, takes, and updates? We'll look no further on Franchise Tag Sports Podcast, hosted by me, Eric Salas. With the help of frequent guests, we'll give you all the latest and greatest on sports. That's right. I'm talking NFL, the occasional NBA and MLB, and yes, a lot more NFL. I've always loved watching the NFL, and there's no better way to talk sports than flipping on a microphone and giving my opinions on what goes on around the league. Tune in every week for brand new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at Franchise Tag Pod and on Instagram at Franchise Tag Sports. It's the Franchise Tag Sports Podcast. We got the sports, you just gotta press play. When you get a chance, check out the Franchise Tag Podcast. John, and some other things to talk about, some things that are um, kind of bugging me. You know I like to get involved in those social media discussions. And and one discussion I've really been getting into of late has been the idea of draft picks, the idea of what they're worth, especially for Major League Baseball. And here, check this out. Here is the discussion I saw just yesterday. And I, I knew we had to talk about it. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I'm sure they're, yeah. Go ahead. Right. I, I can see and where this is going to go, I think. So, so go ahead. Let's go. We had a couple people make the argument that it was not worth signing Garrett Cole in the offseason because due to Major League Baseball rules concerning free agency and so on and so forth, it would cost the Angels draft picks and money. Draft now, picks that could potentially get us a pitcher like Garrett Cole. Well, let me clarify it. And Jared <laughs> Tim's kind of kind of verify this for me because I want to make sure I had all the news right. Because the one person believed that it was a second and a fifth. So here it is. Due to rules about luxury taxes and being over the luxury tax versus under luxury tax or revenue sharing, they will forfeit. So with the Angels, they fall in this category. A team that neither exceed the luxury tax, which they didn't, and if you remember, I got this is the crux of that argument earlier this year with Jason Reed, right? Avoiding getting near the luxury tax. Remember this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes, oh, Swami says. Okay, <laughs> a team that neither exceeded the luxury tax in the preceding season or received revenue sharing will lose its second highest selection in the following year's draft as well as $500,000 from its international bonus pool for the upcoming signing period. And this is if you sign a player like Garrett Cole, okay, one of these free agents that pops up. If it signs two such players, it'll also forfeit the third highest remaining pick and an additional 500000 A team that exceeds the luxury tax, and this is, again, this is from Jared Timmons, by the way. A team that exceeds the luxury tax in the preseason season will also lose it's, did I say precede? I mean exceed. Exceeds luxury tax in the preceding season will lose its second and fifth highest selections in the following year's draft, as well as $1 million in international signing bonus pool, etc. Okay. Basically, what that means is the Angels would lose a, their second round pick next year and $500,000. Now, one of the reasons why the, the person 
had a beef with this. A couple of people had beef because of the international money. Because the Angels signed pay basically in the international money about, I think it was like $550,000, something close to that. I'm sure I'm off by a couple thousand bucks. And I just thought, you know, that's not, that is, if that person happens to listen to our show, I don't mean anything personally, but John, I gotta say it. That is bleeping idiotic. <laughs> Did you bleep that out, though? You're going to bleep that out, I, right? Well, I, didn't, I mean, I just said bleep, so bleep back. <laughs> it's, that argument is absolutely idiotic. Because you're afraid you're not going to get another Shohei Otani? Riddle me this, Batman. How many players did the Angels sign with their international slots this last season? Zero. Nope. One? They signed like six, man. Oh, okay. They had. I'm on the wrong end of the spectrum there. Yeah, I'm wondering which spectrum you were on. (laughs) It's the the getting late spectrum. But $5 million. That's the. I'm rounding up. That's what the Angels had for international money. Some teams have six. So if you're going to say, well, I don't want to spend $500,000 in international cash for Garrett Cole because I'm going to risk losing Shohei Otani. That's idiotic. That is absolutely stupid thinking across the board. And I, I just, why people put value on draft picks and international slots like they do is beyond me when in this situation. You know, a lot of the confusion. They they act like again. You see it. I see these responses on Twitter, Facebook. That they act like this is the NFL. I mean, the NFL, or not even the NFL, the NBA. Um, a bird in the hands better than whatever two in the bush and all, i think all all year long all we've heard is we need to sign garrett cole we need to sign you know a big name pitcher big name pitcher big name pitcher and at this point to say well i don't want to give up international money for uh, you know if we have to sign this big name pitcher i i think that I, almost sounds like an outlier that you're having a, a, deb- a discussion with well, it's just, I'm sorry, it's just not smart. It's not smart thinking. But, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who think they know everything. John, as much as you like to kind of, you know, compliment me on the stuff that I do know, I'll be the first to tell you, man, I don't. I wish I did. I wish I knew every single number and statistic about base. I wish I got everything right, but I'm going to be wrong. And a lot of people are going to be wrong. But I'll tell you one thing, I'm not wrong about this. The Angels have a gap on their roster a million miles wide, and that is starting pitching. And the biggest problem they're starting pitching, they don't have a stopper. They don't have that ace to shut things down when things are going wrong. And they haven't had that for a couple of years. Garrett Cole gives you that. And some people are argue, well, what about the money? Now, they, the, the same person uses the C.J. Wilson argument. Well, C.J. Wilson, you know, he, he didn't finish his contract. Well, he didn't finish his contract because the Angels didn't want to finish his contract out. Listen to the interview. They wouldn't let him get the surgery. He still was very good for three and a half years of the Angels. Go look at his numbers. Well, he didn't do well in the playoff game. Well, you know what? How did you get there? Who helped get you there? So let's bring this back around and just say it this way. And, John, cut me off if I'm being an idiot here, okay? No, that's okay. If, if I present you with a deal, okay, where I, you give up $500,000 out of probably around $5 million or so, maybe even six, of your international budget, so a second-round pick and $500,000 is what you give up for the rights to sign Garrett Cole. Do you take it or leave it? 
I think I think any fan, but this. I mean, yeah, of course I take it. That we, we yeah, no, no doubt. Yes, take it, sign you it. Absolutely, do it. You jump at it. How many second round picks have not made it to the major leagues? In the NFL, if a second round pick is taken in the draft, that second round pick ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time will play an NFL game. In Major League Baseball, no. Our second round pick this year was Kyron Paris. Okay, nice kid, wonderful kid. The odds I think of him making to the majors are pretty good. He's talented, but things happen between now and then. He's only seventeen years old. Who knows what's going to happen with him? That's just the fact of the matter. You're gonna. So are you going to go for the what you know is the real deal, one of the best pitchers in the game, or a shot? Not well, not a shot in the dark, but it's almost a shot in the dark because you have no idea how these players are going to develop. And then five hundred thousand dollars of your your national signing bonus. What that really means is, is there's if there's one surefire guy out there internationally and you want to get him, you probably won't get him because somebody else will probably have more money. But those guys are so rare. There was like one guy last year, and that was the, the Yankees got him. That was pretty much it. It's well, just, the theme the theme this year of fans has been that the Angels aren't willing to spend money. The Angels aren't willing. I mean, take I guess not even take risk. I mean, that's what we did before. That's what we did with Stoneman and and that's what got us into this mess. But I mean, everybody, you know, everybody wants to to fire Brad. They want to fire uh um uh, Billy Epler, they want Artie to trade the team to sell the team all because they say we're not willing to spend money. And if I, I just don't understand anybody making this argument at this point of the, uh, of the season when uh, I think we're all hoping that they go out there and they and not only spend money once, they spend 20 twice. And if it takes all of our international money, so be it. Um, we're going to have we're going to hopefully get some certified starters, maybe two pitchers that will regularly go into the sixth and seventh inning, which we don't have anybody who regularly goes past the fifth at this point. Well, here's another thing, too, that people aren't thinking about. You go out there and you get Garrett Cole, and let's just say he'll be 30, right? Let's just say you get him to around 33 and he starts to diminish. It's still three years. Here's the reality. There's nobody else coming in the Angels system for their two and a half years. The guys you've seen this year are the guys you're going to get. Canning is probably, if everything works out and he gets some of his arm trouble straight, he's probably going to, he could probably be a number two. Suarez can be anywhere from a three to a five to a long, long starter. Berea, we don't know. Otani will be, can be a two or a three. Heaney can be a two or a three. You don't have a one. And you got no one else coming. Hopefully, Chris Rodriguez does one day. Hopefully. But all these other guys in the system right now are, are all young guys. Kohanowicz just, just got signed this year. He's a guy that people think maybe can develop into something. You just don't have it now. That's a weakness in the Angels system. And, a, and that time gives the Angels, that signing gives the Angels more time to develop that, that weakness in the system. And that's why you go for it. There are so many reasons to do this. And I cannot believe that that would be the reasoning for saying don't sign them. Of all the things, of all the reasons you're going to use, that's why you don't sign Garrett Cole. It's I can read, I can read the article. Angels miss out on Garrett Cole because they're not willing to, to send international money. Mm-hmm. Oh, those same people. Exploding. 
exploding all oh, over yeah. the, the internet. Fire Epler. Fire Epler. Yeah. Force Ari <laughs> to sell a team. Fire okay. Trout. Trout. Get rid of Trout. <laughs> trade Trout. Trade Trout. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. It is time for us to move on, but we, I thought I'd share that with you. Folks, you just sometimes things are just really, really not even worth talking about. I'm not even sure why where that logic comes from, but think this one through. If there's a if there's a guy who can really change the face of your franchise as a pitching staff, for your pitching staff, yeah, you go pay the money for him. If you got it, you go get him. Okay. Folks, we're looking for sponsors. So reach out to us at talkinghillsgmail.com if you like what we're doing and help us keep the lights on here. I mean the lights are pretty dim right now, but this cause this season's been pretty rough. Check us out. We'd love to do some business with you. Leave us a voicemail also at 657-666-5453. All right, so here we go. Let's talk to Jeff Perlman. All right, folks, we want to welcome author Jeff Perlman on the show. He's written books about the Showtime Lakers, Walter Payton, one of the best sports writers out there. We're glad to have you. Jeff, how you doing? I'm good. I don't know if I'd say one of the best, but I'll take I'll take the compliment. <laughs> well, I've written I a couple. Of, sorry, I've written. I've read a couple of your books. I'm a Lakers fan, so I, I there are parts of that book I loved, and there are parts of the book I hated. And I got another one coming up. I'm sure I'm going to be equal parts frustrated and happy at the same time going back through that. But ew, okay. So yeah. how you, how you doing? I'm well, man. Come on, beautiful beautiful night here in Southern California. I have no complaints. I'm literally staring at the sunset as we talk. So. So it's a bit more peaceful than the average Angels game these days, watching what's been going on with that team. Yeah, it's about as quiet, though. About so. <laughs> as quiet. So, Sorry, man. Uh, it, well, it's, it's the nature of the beast. It's why we asked you on. We, we caught a, a tweet that was that – had. I mean, you spoke straight out in that tweet. It's, it's gone now, but you mentioned how um, the oh, Angels yeah. were a bad team. They were had a bad stadium, bad uniforms, everything. And, and given some of the discontent we're seeing in our fan base here – you know, who better than to come verbalize that than someone who's used to verbalizing things in writing anyways for his career. So he wanted to get you on where we didn't get you on the hammer. We wanted to actually ask why you felt that way and get, get knee deep into it more than just what you can find a, a tweet. So right. how many times have you been out there to see Angels games this year? Uh, my son and I probably go uh, eight, nine games a year about. Sometimes a few less, sometimes a few more. We moved. We live. We moved here five years ago from New York, and we live only, you know, half an hour from Angels games. It's very convenient, and uh, they're usually pretty mediocre. So you can always get the tickets last minute on StubHub for like six bucks. So it's a pretty good. And we found uh, free parking. Uh, we found a place near the stadium we can park for free. So that's worked out okay. <laughs> so it's it's affordable. It's cheap, and uh, yeah. And my partner in crime here. He's on the line, John. Uh, John is also he's he's more of the fanboy partner in this in this duo. I'm more the the kind of a practical analyst guy, and John has a bit, he's same thing tickets, right, John? Yeah, Jeff. I'd probably see a few more games than you. Uh, by the way, nice to meet you. And it seems like we might be like a little. We might have a little soulmate thing going on because I'm the <laughs> same way. I buy my tickets usually last minute. StubHub seven one four tickets. And uh, yeah, I probably I usually park across the street. There's a there's a five dollar parking. There's a three dollar parking behind that. And if you go just a couple more steps, you can park for free. Um, right. It's that's the beauty of Angel Stadium as opposed to Dodger Stadium 
which is such a maze to get through. Uh, for um, And I just live in Diamond Bar. I shoot right down the freeway. So, uh, yeah, that's how I enjoy my games. Uh, I don't spend too much money on the tickets. I probably go to maybe 10. I probably go to about 15 games uh, this year if I'm lucky. And uh, but. So, so let me so I okay, let me you know Jeff so based on that because we've spent pretty much this whole pod this a lot of this podcast talking about you know what the angels plan is what they're doing and we've gotten even it's though it's very pessimistic here at the end of the season it's been very kind of hard to be positive we do have a lot of we have some hopes for next year um, I'm just curious, how far do you believe uh, the Angels are from actually being uh, putting a winning team on the field? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess the minor league system is supposed to be solid. Um, I mean, they have the best player. You know, to be, all right, so here's the thing, to be totally honest. I don't want to, like, I don't want to BS and be like, well, they have the fifth best, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's not my... I was a baseball. So I was a baseball writer at Sports Illustrated for about five years, and I covered the game uh, where I knew every player in Major League Baseball, and I would go to different clubhouses every week uh, from about '98 to 2003, around then. And I was, you know, everything about baseball. You could, I could, I could tell you, the, you know, you could throw a picture of Sal Fasano up. I would know who he is. You know, everybody. And since that time. Uh, when I just kind of started writing books instead of covering the majors day by day, I lost a lot of interest in the nitty-gritty details. So, like, where I used to know all the farm systems, I don't know all the farm systems. Where I used to know, you know, the, the entire pitching staff of teams. I'm, I'm, I'm way gone from that. The thing, I think my beef with the Angels is the dullness of them. You know, and I, I do feel bad saying that in the year where they lost a player. I mean, that's freaking tragic times a thousand, and... and that's actually why I took the tweet down that I wrote because mm-hmm. I felt I felt kind of bad thinking about wow they did lose a guy this year, um, but I just think I've lived here for five years, and I just think the Angels are the most boring operation in baseball. I just do. I think everything about them is boring except they have the best player in baseball, and you go to a game and the stadium is lame. Um, the food of that stadium is absolutely terrible. It's inexcusably bad. I understand you have a bad stadium. Whatever, you know, there's only so much you can do. The food offerings are horrible. Um, the food is overpriced for what it is. You know, it's just like the, uh, the uniforms are, are boring. My son and I always talk about it. Boring uniforms. They play the same uh, video. They play the same video at the beginning of every game from the time we moved here five years ago, the one uh, with the train song, Calling All Angels. Like, nothing is new under the sun with that operation ever. They don't do... You go to a Padres game or you go to a game at, a, like, a Chargers game, they're very interactive where if you post photos with a hashtag on Twitter or on Instagram, you can wind up on the scoreboard. They don't do that here. Like, it's just a boring experience overall considering what they could do. And it's one thing to be boring if you're, if you're the Yankees or the Dodgers and your team is really good. But if you're the Angels and you have very little going for you, you got to give me more than what you're giving. And I, I just can't understand why they're so freaking boring. That's the thing that gets me. It's not whether they're going to be good or bad. It's just a boring baseball experience at a time where they really can't afford to be boring. John, I know you're chomping the bay here because you go to a lot of games, and and you're, I'd say of all the fans I ever talked to, you're one of the more optimistic fans. What, what do you have to say to that view? 
I'm sorry. I'm just a more, I think, uh, simple, I guess simple for the better of words. I'm a simple guy. I like a dog and a beer. Uh, you know, my, my kids like dog, you know, I drink soda. Actually I say dog and a beer just to sound cool, but actually I usually just drink a dog and a soda or two <laughs> <Yeah>. sodas. <laughs> and, um, I get, you know, he actually makes some valid points that I guess just go over my head because, I'm just there to have a good time, and I, I don't really pay attention to it. They did used to have something with uh, T-Mobile or something where you'd post, because I know, because I did that at Clipper Games, too. I like to get me and my daughter up on the screen and show us. I think I do believe that I haven't really seen that this year. And, yes, they do play Calling All Angels every game and that same historical video. I don't think it has changed from the last few years. Um, I, I, so he has valid points, but I guess I'm just a guy who doesn't get bothered by it, who just who who looks forward to it and shares it on the. You remember I shared that video with you, Derek. On uh, I, I took a, I filmed mm-hmm. it and showed you the calling all angels and the whole historical. Uh, you know uh, they also yeah. play uh, Enter Sandman. They Enter Sandman uh, when uh, the you know the so it is a lot of the same thing. So I, I do see his point. But John, you, Jeff, you just said right. You you came from New York, right? Yeah. I mean, make sure you remember this. Tell me if I'm wrong, but were you a Mets fan? Were you a guy who followed the Mets out there? Well, I grew up a Mets fan. Yeah. Um, and, and here's the thing. Okay, so Shea Stadium was a dump, right? Like, I grew mm-hmm. up going to Shea Stadium. And Shea Stadium was a dump. But Shea Stadium, number one, it had character. And number two, the 80s sort of era Mets were really exciting baseball. Like, really exciting mm-hmm. baseball. But the, the other thing that I feel like John, like, just John is a certain kind of fan, which I actually it's my favorite kind of fan, which is I go to the game for baseball and to have a, a hot dog and a soda like that. That's what I was too. But the reality of baseball 2019 is the teams that do this well have made it an entertainment venue. Um, you go, I mean, the best example is Peco. You go down to Peco. Now I don't need 90% of the crap that Peco offers personally. Um, the kids activities, the different things you can do, the entertainment things, the side things, throw a pitch and see how fast you can throw it, all those little things. Like, Personally speaking, 47-year-old baseball fan, I don't need that. But that's how you get people to the park, and that's how you build a buzz. Um, in 2019, I mean, the Dodgers announced recently they're expanding, so they have more. Like, It's just become an entertainment venue. You go to the new Yankee Stadium, which in a lot of ways is an abomination, but it's an, it's an experience. Um, and if you're just selling baseball in 2019, like if your biggest pitch to... This sucks, but it's true. If your biggest pitch to fans in 2019 is, we have Mike Trout, he's the best player in baseball, you're only going to, and your team stinks, you're not going to go that far as far as exciting fans and building up a support uh, network because people are looking for more uh, than that in sports these days. Well, I, I can say if I just real quick, because, yeah, I kind of got in trouble early in this podcast. And uh, it was actually Trent Rush who does the post. You know, I think you might be familiar who Trent Rush is, who basically said that, uh, um, you know, you, you you get to see history every night. You get to see Shohei Otani, you know, for, uh, uh, you get to see Mike Trout. You get to see Albert Pujols break records. And, and I, I wonder, I, I guess I could see a point where and also the fact that the even though you and I both know that Angel Stadium is if we're lucky. Lucky if it's more than two thirds full at any given time, and by the seven, yeah. by the eighth inning, it's probably a third full. 
their yeah. attendance numbers are very high. And that's because I guess season tickets. So the, the, what the numbers they put up, the tickets sold is, is extremely high. Do you think that that's given the angels, the complacency that I think you might be referring to? Well, they're definitely inflating the numbers. I mean, there's no, I, I mean, you go to those games, it's not the, the attendance that's sitting there is never what they project, what they, uh, announce it to be. Um, no, I think the Angels have a uh, they have a sweetheart stadium deal that has really you know the uh, Anaheim has been got a really bad deal for the city, but the Angels have a great stadium deal. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I always think it's really funny. Like people say, people who say like, look, you get to see my, you get to watch history every night. You get to see Mike Trout every night. I always take my uh, my son and I go to the games. And my son, he's not a huge baseball fan. He's more of a hang out with dad and let's just mm-hmm. sort of do something fan. And like you only see Mike Trout hit four times a night, right? That's it. And maybe he catches six balls on a busy night. Baseball isn't like football. It's not like you see Patrick Mahomes throwing 40 passes or you see LeBron James in a basketball game handling the ball throughout. So even the biggest superstar, Mike Trout, who's a great, great player, like, you don't actually see him do that much. And I just think, like, it sucks because I love baseball. I love everything about baseball. I love keeping score to baseball game. I love the pace of baseball. But in this era, you need to give people more. And maybe baseball just isn't capable of it, or maybe the Angels aren't capable of it, but I just don't think they're giving their fans enough. I wonder if it is a stadium. Like, you know, that, that stadium's been there and done that. Hosting the Rams, hosting the Angels. But it's been open. Yeah. It's been closed. I just wonder if... The actual stadium's limitations, like if you go out, you know, I'm out in Northeast Ohio. I'm in between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, and PNC Park is like one of the crown jewels of baseball parks in the Love majors. It. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it is. It's a great park, and they have a boardwalk on the river there. Then you come back. There's a kid zone. There's so many different things a person can do there. So I take my daughter to her first baseball game, and even though I'm raising her. I'm raising her right in my view to be an Angels fan. Her first baseball game happened to be a Pirates game, and she's in there playing the playground, and she's that she's there for free ice cream that day, and she has to run the bases, and and right. and every team does a run the bases thing, I think. But when you look at what the Angels actually offer at their stadium right now, it's it's nice to walk up to the big eight with the Angels stuff on the outside of the stadium, and you go in there, and it's a, it's an okay place to watch a game, but I think you you're. If I hate to say it because I don't want to be that guy who's like, well, you know, he's right. There's a lot you're saying is right because outside of the game, outside the pretty rocks in the outfield, if everything's the same and nothing ever changes, then what's to bring the casual fan back? The person who's there to watch some baseball but also wants to be entertained versus John who is who just loves the Angels and wants to watch baseball. There's, there's, there's a different kind of fan. I know, but John is dying out as a baseball fan. See, that's the problem. Guys like John, guys like myself, like we are not, we're not the next generation of people watching baseball. And the other thing is, this is really true. I talk, I talk about this with my son all the time. It used to be, all right, so you're the, uh, you're the Angels back in the day. Who are you competing against? You're competing against the Dodgers. You're competing against the Beats in Southern California. You know, you're competing against certain things. Now what baseball is competing against is a device that's in every kid's hand. Like, how do you get people interested in this thing happening in front of the, them when they're so inclined to just watch Netflix or mm-hmm. Hulu on a screen in front of them? Like that's the battle. And this sport that used to be all about sort of a relaxed day that sold itself as a relaxed day out in the sun and Vince Scully and 
you could watch Steve Garvey or whoever, you know, like that was the pitch back in the day, a nice casual day of baseball here in America. I'm like this new generation of people coming up. And I know it because I have two kids who I'm raising. Um, they're used to the fast paced excitement, choose your entertainment in front of you on a little screen, uh, way of sort of living. So again, if you're just selling baseball and that's really what the angels are selling, we have Mike Trout, we have Albert Pujols, we have Otani, uh, come to the park and see them. It's just not enough. You can't compete. I don't think. Yeah, Jeff. So what you said really hit home with me on that. You were your son, you know, because I Derek knows and I, I share on Twitter. You know, I share uh, on social media. I, I go with my daughters, uh, one, uh, one or both. And I do. I think they tend to go with me just for dad, daddy, daughter time. Not, right. you know, they're not really great. paying attention. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I tell Derek, you know, Derek, Derek teases me and says, you know, you make your kids go. I actually don't make them go. They actually say they want to go. It's and it's like right. and as long as they'll say yes, they'll go. I'm embracing it because one day they're going to tell me no and they're not going to want to go. But you're right. The social media. I mean, you know, my kids, I, I got to admit, most both of them, the, the younger one, the 15 year old stares at her phone the entire game. I mean, she's. Right. She's not even really paying attention to the game, and I probably could ask her to name five players on the team, and she probably wouldn't be able to tell you. The older one might be able to tell you a few more details about it, and they do watch, and you know, and they enjoy a home run or something like that. But am I necessarily raising uh, baseball fans? I don't know. I pro- I don't know because, like I said, there's so much more out there to do. But Jeff, I, I have. Saying, I was saying recently, my son. Um, I just want to say real quick, like we. Um, my son and I were coming up with ideas like what are what are things the angels can do to be better or baseball could be do to to get a sort of more draw the younger fans. And one thing I really think, I swear to God, is like well we both we like this idea. Baseball should have an app where you can listen it, you, you you know, sign up for the app and you can hear they'll mic up a different player each inning. And you can listen or to or the third base coach. And every inning someone else will be mic'd up and you can ask by listening on your phone, blah blah blah, you can hear them. Like Little things like that. Any way you can make this game more interactive uh, is a win for, for sort of your sport. I didn't mean that's to interrupt a, you. But no, that's a heck of an idea. But I have one yeah. gripe with you. Okay, One gripe. I just okay. got laid out there. Only man. one. That's not bad. Only one. Well, actually, okay. because I, I actually believe a lot. I mean, I understand what you're saying. You're at the game. You're, you post that tweet. It's clear in the tweet you're frustrated with the, with the fan experience because you want better, right? You want, you want better. Yeah. I get that. I mean, there are a lot of fans took that to heart, but some fans are like, yeah, he's right. But I only had one gripe. Okay. I like the uniforms. I think they're clean. I think they're. <laughs> I, I think they look. They look solid. I think the the road uniform could be could use a little updating. But the white home uniform, I like it, and the the red alternate that they've been wearing the last couple of years, I really like that one too. So I guess the boring That's look. Okay. I, I, I I guess I could. All right. I could see it, but I. I like them how they are nice and clean. But what do you the, consider? What do you consider the best uniforms in baseball and the worst? Like if you had to pick the all time, oh, what's your favorite uniform? Your least favorite uniform? You know, I gotta be honest. And John yep. knows this. I'm the reason why I enjoy your books is because I'm a history teacher. I'm a, I'm a historian. Okay, and so I like I like the the throwback. I wish the Angels could would, throw, would wear their throwbacks more. They're one of my favorite throwbacks. The White Sox have some really neat throwbacks. So if I'm looking yeah. at the uniforms from the eight from those ages, I think those are nice to bring back more. But the current ones that I really like, I enjoy the clean Yankees uniform. Yankees, I enjoy I, I I like the Mets uniform and I like the Indians uniform. They're they're all very clean. So I guess I kind of have a 
a feel. I, and in terms of that's what I like. In terms of yeah. they seem. I don't, I don't want. They're not sterile because that's. I mean, that would be like no, a kid. Classy. They're classy. But I think that yeah. you're you're probably right, and they could probably add a little bit more to it. But I, the way that the classy look to them kind of brings to me a certain old time feel that I I enjoy. If that makes sense. Yeah. Also, you know what's funny is um, uniforms look good when the team is good. I swear to God, it's really yeah. funny. It's like if you look at like what the biggest jersey sales are. You know, when the Oakland Raiders are great, everybody loves Raider uniforms, and when they stink, nobody buys Raider uniforms. So it's always sort of. If the Angels were, you know, were, were en route to 110 wins this year, I'd probably say they're the coolest uniforms. But they think mm-hmm. they're boring, and, and I've kind of assigned the characteristics of that team to their uniforms. So maybe you're right. That's just an opinion. I, I could see the, the need to maybe update the trim a little bit on them, maybe make them pop a little more. But the overall, the white. The, 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 the 80s. The 80s ones. Bring them back. Bring them back. Yeah, those the, are cool. But maybe we're just old people who are nostalgic for the 80s. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't want them back every game. I, I even liked yeah. the, the the early '90s California Angels uniforms. Yeah, I just see those ones. Yeah, those ones. Out. So, Jeff, one last thing here before we let you go. We know you're working on a new Lakers book. This, hey, this is a chance. You know, we do have a lot of Lakers fans who listen. Tell folks about this book you got coming up. One of them is talking to you right uh, now. I know, right? Uh, there you <laughs> go. I um, well, it's not coming out until next year. It's uh, so I wrote a book called Showtime about the you know, obviously the Showtime era, and this is almost like a sequel in a way years later. It's about the Shaq-Kobe era, so it goes from 96 to 04, uh, you know, from the year Shaq and Kobe arrived in L.A. to the uh, loss to Detroit in the championship run, and then Shaq leaving, and uh, it's coming out next year. So I'm just going through final edits as we speak. Can I, can I ask you a question? Please. Are you a Shaq or a Kobe guy? <laughs> uh, it's interesting. So I'm not, I didn't grow up a Laker fan. I grew up, you know, I'm a New Yorker, so I grew up in that fan. But um, if you work on this book, the if you ended up, I always say this to my kid, if you research a book about that era Lakers, it's very hard not to be a Shaq guy. Uh-huh. And it's very hard to be, a, to be a Kobe guy. Because if you're just talking about that era, right? I'm not saying who they became. But during that time period, I mean, the whole time Kobe just wanted to shoot 40 shots a game. And the whole time... You know, Shaq found him really annoying. So it's, and Shaq was, I mean, I'll tell you real quick, real quick, like this to me, Shaq in a nutshell. They, they used to have a guard named Mike Penberthy. He was only there for a year and, and, and a cup of coffee the next year. And he came out of Masters College. He was a total nobody. And he makes the Lakers roster. And uh, they're opening up in Portland. And the guy's like dirt poor, you know, straight out of college. And he, he, he doesn't own a suit. And he shows up for the first game wearing like a jacket he bought at Banana Republic. And Shaq sees this and he's like, yo, tomorrow, me and you. And he takes him out suit shopping and buys him six suits at his, perf- at his personal tailor. Like, that was this Shaq over and over and over again. Like, this kindness that is very rare. So, it's hard not to be a Shaq guy when you work on the book. Gotcha. <laughs> I want to read, just real quick, I, I definitely want to read your book, because I'm not a huge book reader, as Derek already knows, and but I do read, I do like to read good sports books, and I did read uh, Phil Jackson's last season, and that's oh, where I got, I got, 
that's where I got this this whole. That's where I I, I became. I, you know that because Phil Jackson basically makes it clear too that yeah that Kobe it, the story he basically that I always remember he said I'd tell Shaq to go do something and he'd cry like a baby and he'd whine and he'd go out and do it. I'd tell Kobe to do something and Kobe'd say yes sir and he'd go out and do whatever whatever the heck Kobe exactly. wanted to do. And exactly. uh, and I I would have swore on a stack I was swearing on a stack of Bibles to anybody would listen that that he wasn't coming back. Well. Uh, when Phil Jackson hey, was coming back as coach, and guess what he did? Because I guess money yeah. talks and and winning and success talks. So, yeah, yeah, it's a fun book. It's a fun. Yeah, book. it sounds fun. I'm going to look forward to that one. Yeah, I, I, but I'm John, thinking. you realize you're you're talking to one author about some other author's book. No, he, he, he recognizes oh, no. the book. No, yeah, <laughs> His book isn't out I yet. I tell you, I tell you guys real quick. I um, you know, you work on these books and you hope you get all the people. And uh, I know Jeannie Buss pretty well, the owner of the Lakers, just from covering sports. And, you know, she used to date Phil Johnson. And I said to her, um, I was like, I don't know, how would you get in touch with Phil if you were me? And she's like, well, let me ask for you. So she asked, and she got me Phil's email, and I emailed him, and he let me come out to Montana. And I met him at a coffee shop in Montana. This is last year. And I go, uh, hey, Phil, I, did, I really want to thank you for giving me the time. And he goes, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for Jeannie. And I thought, oh, this, this may not be great. And... Eight hours later, I, I spent probably four hours driving around with him. Then we went back to his house and hung out at his house. And then he's like, hey, you want to go for dinner? So he ended up being one of the great, great contributors to the book. He was fantastic. You know, I have a running theory, but it's probably better if I, uh, if I mention to you offline <laughs> about the... No, go uh, ahead. Let me hear it. After reading Showtime, and I'm, I'm a pretty big diehard Lakers guy. And but so watch that whole thing go down. I have a running theory that the Lakers' real problems now in the last five years, six years, ten years, twenty years aren't the usual cast of characters that you think they are. They are. I believe at the root of it, the real problem the entire time was Doctor Jerry Bus. Jerry Bus, and the reason why is because he allowed this culture in the Lakers organization to grow. And as the owner, he could somewhat control it, but as he got older. And his kids start to take it over. They weren't Dr. Jerry Buss. They were Jeannie Buss and other Buss and other Buss and Jim Buss and Bussy Buss. Yeah. And those guys were not able to control the franchise the way he did. So even though it was... The, the word I took away from your first book was great champions, but man, they were dysfunctional. You can be dysfunctional with some control, and over time, they lost the control. And so I go back yeah, and I well, actually I, blame Buss. Well, I think... Um I understand what you're saying. I don't know if I totally agree, but I think um, it's hard. I mean, maybe in a way the angels have a little of this too. Like everything is changing around you and you continue to do it the same way you've always done it. And you say, well, why should we change? Because it's worked, right? So magic was your point guard and then you make them your coach. Well, that didn't work out very well, but then you put them in charge, you know, you give them a key role in basketball operations. Um, you know, you put Jim Bus, give Jim Bus a big role because you know he's Jerry Bus's kid, and blah blah blah. It's like, I mean, I I don't love Rob Palenka as a general manager. I don't, I don't think that's a good hire, but like, yeah, sometimes you get so wed to doing something the way you've always done it um, that you forget that you need to change. And they probably needed to change things a long time ago. I don't know. It's going to be a weird year for that team. They have the weirdest roster I've ever seen. And it's been a weird year for the Angels. So we want to thank you for coming on and. 
talk with yep. us about what you've seen. The outsider perspective is good. And you have a little bit of the outsider perspective. You come from New York. You're used to New York baseball. You're used to the diehard, yep. hardcore way of life out there. And So we really appreciate the perspective. And can you let folks know where they can find you on Twitter or anywhere else? Yeah, just at Jeff Perlman on Twitter. And then you, my website is uh, jeffperlman.com. All right. So thanks again for the time. I really appreciate it. And you take care. Yeah, it was right, great talking time. to you. And you really, I, I really right. enjoyed your perspective. You gave me a new perspective on it. I was expecting oh. to disagree with a lot you said, and I turned out I didn't. <laughs> hey, man. I hope the Angels win. You know, it's more fun when you have a winning team in town. So I'm, I'm certainly on your, uh, you know, there's, I, I, there's nothing in me that wants them to do poorly. So hopefully they turn around. I understand. Yeah. Thank All you right, so much, Thanks sir. Thank you. All right, John. So, would you? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that conversation with you going all the way to Lakertown and back. But overall, what were your thoughts on on what he had to say? Going into an interview with a guy that I thought I was going to be very contentious with. Um, he's he's a very articulate guy who makes some very valid points. Again, as I go back and I as I refer to myself as a guy who wants a soda and a dog, I don't want to eat in I don't want to eat in the fancy restaurant. Uh, you know, I, I'm not there to get gourmet food. I'm at a baseball game. If I want gourmet food, I'll go to a gourmet food restaurant. So I just. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy. I really turned. I enjoyed that interview, and I and I also got to, uh, uh, you know, talk about uh, got him to pick uh, Shaq, identify <laughs> himself as a Shaq guy, which I, I I liked as even kind of a jab maybe towards you. I don't know, but because uh, uh, that's what I I'm a Shaq guy too. I love uh, Shaq. jab towards me, dude. Honestly, come on, man. Come on, um, yeah, yeah. I appreciate yeah, I appreciate Kobe Bryant's career as a basketball player. Oh, so do that's, I. That's it. When it comes down to being a good person, I can't. I don't know all that much. We, we've seen lots of news on Kobe Bryant and so on and so forth over the years, both good and bad. But you can. It's very hard to find somebody who bad mouths Shaq for it, what he's done in the community as well. So it's you know. Well, I'm just, I just want to just let you know I'm not I'm not judging I'm not judging his character at all. I'm just saying I live in a town where sports radio. Refu- you know, refuses. I, I think they side with Kobe. They really do. As in general, the, the consensus is that they side with Kobe right to the very end, where he's, you know, he's saying that he wants, he, he needs help. Uh, we're doing a Laker talk here, but you know, he wants help. Well, well if yeah. you want help in your last season, don't take a thirty million dollar contract or whatever that contract was. If you really want to win, say, hey, don't give me that amount of money. Uh, he just, to me, never showed. You know, they all say that he's all about winning. Well, if you're all about winning, then, but no, but he's also about, also about being the top one. I don't know why we're getting into a Laker conversation. I have no idea either. I mean, yeah, go on. Yeah, let's talk about the Angels. But Mike if I'm going to say anything, yeah, if I'm going to say anything, will you let me talk, Dagnabbit? <laughs> uh, I'd say this when it comes to the, the Lakers. What makes me sad about that as a Lakers fan was that that breakup to me. Um, meant the loss of championships, in my opinion. They, they they could have won a couple more together, and instead things changed. All right, so all that, moving on, I do want to say this about it, and um, I, it's not something folks want to hear, but, you know, Angels team is old, and it's not made for the modern game. I mean, it's, it's just not. It's not, meant, it's not meant to be the kind of ballpark that attracts the little fan. 
I'm a, I'm a dad of a four-year-old little girl who got to go to her first game this year. I talked about it a little bit in the interview. And there are several things that I've been able to do with her at, say, at PNC that I know I wouldn't be able to do with her at Angel Stadium. And so I think as much as I hate to say, because I really like Angel Stadium, I do. I think if they want to keep drawing fans, and remember the, the MLB fan base has been shrinking over the last couple of years. You know, I just think that you really have to be willing to make changes. We see a lot of people complaining about Artie Moreno and, and putting money in the team of late, not building a winner, and I would, I would disagree with a lot of it. But a lot of things that Jeff had to say, I can roll with. If you've had the same highlight video for five years, if you've been offering the same thing for five years, something's got to change. Something's got to change, especially in years like this where everybody's struggling. And, um, you know, I, I hope it does because I believe in the young kids coming. I believe those young kids in this core that's that's there now, I think they're going to be solid contributors. I, th- I think they're building something. I think this offseason they're going to make a splash. Well, if you're making a splash... Now's your chance to spice everything up. Now's your chance to change everything up. And maybe that's what they're playing. Maybe they're keeping it low-key for a big boom next year. Or maybe we're getting the same thing all over again. And that's, I hope that the Angels are on the cusp of something new to enter a new generation for the fan base. Because I want my daughter to be an Angels fan. I'm not going to make her be one. I'm hoping she chooses them. All right. Any final thoughts there, big dog? No, I just, you know, they, they did remodel it. But, I mean, like I said, he made a lot of – we do have this the largest uh, big screen in uh, in Major League Baseball, I believe, still. Um, so they did invest. But, um, you know, I just don't notice the details of that he spoke about. You know, and t- when he points them out, I t- definitely agree with him. But when I go to the game, I'm not there for all that stuff. Um, and uh, – yeah, I guess that's just I'm a fan, and and he, and he is a fan too, which is nice too. I, I that's I really I really like that about him. Uh, again, I, I I really I I enjoyed that connection with him. With all that said, it is time for us to hit the road. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos. You can find our page and group also in Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find John at Jake's Crane John. We also have a lot more coming up later in the week, including Jared Tim joining our team. So check that out as well. We're on Spreaker. We're on Apple Music. We're on pretty much every podcast outlet. And don't forget, we're also part of the Big Heads Podcast Network. With all that said, I've, it's time for us to go. For John and the entire team here, this is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We'll see you tomorrow night for a Texas preview. We're out. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? 
and 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.